0: Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangrenenation.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about notes from the first four weeks of the NFL season for the New York Jets. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you You know, through the season, I take notes on the Jets during games and as news develops. And on today's show, I wanted to share with you some of the notes I currently have. This is going to be a bit of a different episode than we typically have. Usually, I pick one or two themes to discuss in detail. This is going to be more jumping from point A to point B, and we'll see how it goes. This could become a regular feature on the show, or it could be something we just do one time. But like many Jets fans, I was very excited with the victory on Sunday. Even as bad as the first three weeks of the season looked, especially week three against Denver, I really did not think this was the worst team in the NFL. I did not think this was going to be a great team, but I felt like the team was not as bad as it looked. And frequently in the NFL, you're never as good as you look at your best, and you're never as bad as you look at your worst people forget the NFL season is a very long road. And it's even longer now because there's an extra game. There are lots of teams that begin the season very hot and kind of see their play deteriorate the deeper we get into the autumn and the winter. And then there are teams that begin the season very slowly. And they improve through the course of the season. And I always felt like with the Jets being so young, this was probably going to be a team that got better as the season went along. I tried to talk about that a little bit last week, how my expectations were really about what would happen at the end of the year. Before every season, I kind of like map out three scenarios in my head. There's the best case scenario, which is like if everything breaks right for the Jets, all the players you're hoping will be good are good. Guys who had bad seasons last year bounce back. You have good injury luck. Maybe the schedule is a little bit easier than you thought. You have the worst case scenario, which is the opposite, pretty much nobody plays up to expectations. The schedule's not so easy, you get bad break after bad break. Pretty much what happened to the Jets last year, and then the middle road, which is you know, some things go right, some things go wrong. That's typically the most likely scenario. And the best case scenario for me this year with the Jets, if like literally everything went right, if Zach Wilson looked like he was going to be great right off the bat, uh, the schedule again wasn't as tough as it seemed. I felt like maybe this was like nine wins. Maybe they could get barely over 500. The middle case scenario was probably somewhere in the five to seven win range. But even the worst case scenario, I looked at this roster. I did not think this was the worst roster in the NFL. And sometimes there are just things that happen. You know, you get a bad week, you get a bad matchup. You have a bad stretch of games. Sometimes that just happens. But one thing I think we kind of missed when we were talking about the offense, and the offensive performance was miserable through the first three weeks. The Jets were facing some tough defenses. That was a very difficult slate of games for Zach Wilson to begin his career against. And I was looking at this metric Football Outsiders has. It's called DVOA. And essentially what it does is it measures teams' performance in context. So it takes a look at whether a play was successful or not. For example, if you get two yards on a third and one play... Well, two-yard gain is not very good on the stat sheet, but it, it is a successful play. Whereas if you get 15 yards on a third and 20 play, hey, it looks great on the stats. It's a 15-yard completion. But that's what the defense wants you. The defense is probably trying to man- manipulate you into throwing a 15-yard pass because it's a failure. And it takes into, into account other things along those lines. It, it's something that's interesting. You know, it's it's a alternative to the regular stats where you're just looking at yards per attempt or completion percentage. It tries to contextualize things. In any event, I was looking at these numbers and the pass defenses the Jets faced in the th- first three weeks were Carolina, who, according to the D- defensive DVOA, currently has the number five best pass defense in the NFL. Week two was New England, the number two pass defense in the NFL. And then Week 3 was Denver, the 7th best pass defense in the NFL. That's a really tough slate of games to begin with. And I'm not sure we knew how good some of these defenses were going to be. And thinking back to those first three weeks, how bad the Jets looked on offense, listen, there were a lot of issues with the Jets on offense those first three weeks. But I think sometimes we forget that there's another team out there. And sometimes that other team is really good. And sometimes they're doing things that give everybody problems. And if this was like two or three weeks into the season, I may say, well, of course, they look good. They were playing the Jets. But now we're four weeks into the season. Everybody's played four games. Those were tough. Those were tough matches for Zach Wilson and the Jets offense. And I don't think it's an accident that the week they had an easier matchup, Tennessee currently ranks 25th in defensive pass DVOA, things got better. And this week, they've got Atlanta, who's number 28 in passing def- defensive DVOA. And that's not to take away from what the Jets did last week. It just reminds, It's just a reminder that there's another team across the field. So is this Jets offense as bad as it looked the first three weeks when they're scoring six points a game? No, of course not. It's impossible to sc- go through an entire season and score six points a game. You know, all of the doomsday scenarios I heard last week, the Jets are going to go 0-17. The offense is going to score six points a game. Over the long haul, things even out. Again, you're never as bad as it seems when things are at their worst. Because in a three-week stretch, you may end up with games against three defenses that are in the top seven in the NFL. But it does eventually even out. Sometimes you get easier matchups right after that. And hopefully you can take advantage of those when they come. The Jets did against Tennessee. We'll see whether they do against Atlanta. The toughest stretch the Jets faced, at least for their offense maybe those first three weeks and maybe we'll see some strides going forward certainly have to hope so but I don't think they're going to look as bad as they did those first three weeks I think that there's a lot of lot in context that shows you it's not as bad as things looked and things will get better and hopefully you bet on the Jets to improve after their first three weeks of the season if you did not know that bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. On today's show, I'm going through my notebook with thoughts on the New York Jets four weeks into the 2021 season. Sunday was clearly Zach Wilson's best game as a pro. The rookie quarterback led the Jets to a victory he made a number of big plays, and there was something that almost all of the big plays had in common. They were outside the structure of the play call. And what do I mean by that? Well, the play call has a certain structure to it. And that's, you're standing in the pocket, this guy's your first read, this guy's your second read, this guy's your third read, you know which routes the receivers were running. Wilson's big plays came either when he was pressured and had to leave the pocket and receivers changed their routes, or there was one play where there was kind of a bad snap that he picked up and threw down the field. And that's not uncommon. That's one of the reasons Wilson was picked second overall. He was really good at making things happen. He was a playmaker at BYU. The ability to make things happen outside the structure of a play call is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. It shows that you can take more than what's available to you. you you have the ability to make things happen and I think it's also encouraging from another standpoint and it's funny because it makes me think back to when I was evaluating Justin Fields who at the time was the other option for the Jets at quarterback in the 2021 NFL draft and one of the things that I felt was positive about Justin Fields was his ability as a runner And the reason I say that is it's very difficult to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL. You're seeing all sorts of coverages, all sorts of blitzes that you never experienced in college. And the NFL playbook is more difficult. You have to learn all new passing concepts. You have to take a leadership role in your locker room. There's just a lot on your plate as a rookie quarterback. And I think almost any rookie quarterback who plays is overwhelmed at some point. And when you're overwhelmed, I think you need something you can lean on, whether that's an ability as a runner, whether it's a good offensive line yourself so that you don't have to deal with pressure, whether it's a game-breaking receiver who you can just throw to to simplify the game when things break down. There's got to be something you can turn to, a good run game like Russell Wilson had his rookie season with Marshawn Lynch or Mark Sanchez had with the Jets' big offensive line that year. When the chips are down, you got to have something you can lean on. Sam Darnold never had that. And I think it's natural. I don't care who you are. If nothing's going right for you and you you don't have that thing you can lean on, you're going to destroy your confidence. And I think near the end with Sam, it was a confidence issue as much as it was anything. He just had no faith in anything. And when you have that thing to lean on, it can help sustain you through the rough days. And I wonder whether with Zach Wilson, his ability to create things outside the structure of the play, maybe that's his thing he can lean on. Because once you're on the move, once receivers are breaking their routes, you don't have to worry about standing in the pocket making complex reads. You can just make things happen. Jets had four completions that went for 25 yards in this game. And they were almost all outside the structure of the play with Zach directing traffic, Zach on the move. When you hit the 25-yard pass, that's good for like three and a half of your typical seven-yard completions. It's something that, that can help sustain the offense. It, it can make up for a lot of other mistakes generating big splash plays like that. And again, like you look back at those plays, the Keelan Cole catch, the play that kind of sparked the, the Jets on offense, that was Cole breaking his route, breaking down the field and Zach throwing an accurate ball. And of course, the Corey Davis touchdown where Zach was pointing him. Zach saw that the safety had vacated the middle of the field and he had Davis break his route and go to the end zone. These are the types of plays. I think I think there's always you always need something you can do without needing to make some complex read or some perfect throw into a tight window. And maybe this is the type of thing that can get Zach through some of the rough games. You hope you never see a game like New England again. And you hope maybe that's something that can keep his confidence up even when he's having trouble deciphering what the defense is trying to do. Now, moving to another point. I think that the Jets heading into this... This upcoming offseason. And again, we're only four games into the year. We're not even a quarter of the way through the season now because it's now a 17-game season and we've only played four games. But the Jets are going to have some interesting decisions to make because they actually have a couple players who are producing for them now. And I'd like to see the Jets be proactive in giving these guys extension if they maintain their level of play throughout the rest of the season. I have two guys in particular I'm looking at on the defensive line. And they're John Franklin Myers and Foley Fatukasi. Now, I I think frequently what happens when there is some high-profile player who gets a big extension, people are very quick to use analysis like, oh, this will send a message to the locker room. If you play well, you'll be rewarded. It doesn't always work that way. I kind of feel like that's something that is not as big of a deal as people make it out to be, in part because... Most players are never going to be Pro Bowl-level players in this league. They're never going to be the star-level players. They're never going to be the impact players. So the best player on your team gets a big extension. I'm not sure how much that impacts you. I would imagine, though, guys like John Franklin Myers and Foley Fatukasi getting rewarded for their quality play. I could see where that may have an impact in the locker room because think about both of these guys. These guys were not highly drafted. Foley Fatakasi was a late-round pick, and John Franklin Myers was a, guy, a waiver claim for the Jets. He began his career with the Los Angeles Rams. And these are guys who have slowly developed into excellent players. You look at the impact John Franklin Myers is having right now. He's he's turned into a heck of a player. And Foley Fatakasi is an excellent interior defensive lineman. And not only that, Foley Fatakasi has developed into a leader in this locker room. He was voted a team captain this year. These are guys who you know, maybe they're never going to be all pro-level players, but these are guys who have worked really hard, outperformed their draft position, and made this team better. And these are the types of guys who should be rewarded. Now, the Jets don't necessarily need to sign either of these guys. Franklin Myers is only going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. And yeah, you could justify, you could say, well, Fatou Kassi's a run stopper, you know, they aren't that important in the NFL. They they come pretty cheaply. But you know what? I'd like to see the Jets reward these guys, because I do think that that would make a positive difference. I'm so tired of the Jets, the few decent players they have letting them walk away. And sometimes they are guys you can't keep. You know, sometimes you have to prioritize. Some guys, sometimes guys want too much money. But I would really like to see the Jets, as long as these guys continue their level of production take care of these homegrown players. And I count Franklin Myers as a homegrown player. I know the Jets did not draft him, but he was not a great player when the Jets acquired him. He was kind of a developing player. He was kind of a project. He's developed into a quality starter. To me, that's a homegrown player, even even if you did not draft him. I think it's time for the Jets to be proactive. It's time for the Jets to show the league, show the players in the locker room that these are the kind of guys we want to keep. That if you perform like this, you're going to be taken care of. That's what I want to see with the Jets. Perhaps that's one way the Jets could fix their perception across the league, but if you want to fix your car or truck, go to rockauto.com. Save time and money when using Rock Auto, which is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts need. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Thanks again for making locked on jets your first listen each day. On today's show, I'm giving you some notes that I have on the current state of the New York Jets roster. You know, when it comes to evaluating draft classes, I think you need at least three to four years to say for sure how good a class is. But of course, you can take progress reports along the way. And inevitably, one thing that always happens is near the end of the first season, everybody thinks that the rookie class is great because typically you've had a couple early round picks be on the field. Maybe you've had some injuries, so some later round picks are on the field. And you always judge rookies on a curve. So whenever a rookie doesn't look totally lost, you say, "Well, oh, they're exceeding expectations. Even if they make one play, that play will stick in your mind. And near the end of the 2020 season, people were very excited about the Jets draft class of 2020. You had Mackay Becton, who had a solid rookie season. Denzel Mims, injured for half of it, but looked fairly productive when he was on the field. Ashton Davis began getting some playing time. Bryce Hall got some time at corner. And then the offseason came. Week one rolled around. Makai Becton gets hurt, Denzel Mims can't get on the field, Ashton Davis is hurt. Suddenly people were very negative on the 2020 draft class. And that's fair enough. And you have to deal with these fluctuations. We're not going to know for another couple of years how good the 2020 draft class was. And I do think there was some fair criticism to be made. I don't think it's totally unfair to say that you can assess the progress these guys were making. And there were some things that were not so encouraging about this group but now that we're four weeks into the season I think that there's there's something else that needs to be noted there are signs that this class may not be as bad as it looked a few weeks ago because you also have to include undrafted free agent signings when you talk about the 2020 draft class and you have a couple of guys who are playing pretty well from that group you've got Bryce Huff the edge rusher the Jets signed out of Memphis I don't know if Bryce Huff's a starter. I don't know if he's an impact player, but I think he's a guy who can help this team. I think he's a quality role player, if nothing else, for this team. And Javelin Guidry at corner. He got a brief stint last year in the lineup. Played pretty well then. I think when he's gotten his opportunities this year, again, he's not looked too bad. And Bryce Hall, the fifth-round pick out of Virginia. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't know if he's a shutdown corner. I don't know if he's a Pro Bowl corner he looks like a guy who can play. And I think when you add in this perspective, when you add in the undrafted free agents who at least look like credible players potentially, and you talk about the way Bryce Hall is playing, maybe this 2020 draft class isn't as bad as it looked a few weeks ago, even if it's not as good as we all thought it would be last December. A lot of it depends on Beckton. but if Becton comes back and plays well at left tackle, and you can say, well, we got... Two starters and two role players out of this class. That's not a terrible class. Now a lot of ifs there. A lot of ifs, and you can't guarantee Beckton's going to come back and play well. You can't guarantee he's going to stay healthy. You can't guarantee Hall's not going to regress. You can't guarantee that Huff and Gidry are going to continue to play well. And that's why you can't put the final grade on this class yet. But I think sometimes we're so we're in such a rush to either declare a class great or a class terrible that we don't give it enough time we don't let it play out when people were proclaiming the 2020 draft class was amazing last December it was too early to say that when people were calling it a complete failure a few weeks back it was too early to say that there are some reasons for optimism now of course there are also some reasons for pessimism but I think things are looking a little bit better I think if you're looking at where the trend is they're a little bit brighter than they were a few weeks ago Anyway, those are all my thoughts for today. Thank you so much for listening to them. This has been the Locked on Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a great Tuesday, everybody, and please send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow is our weekly mailbag.